Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 again this morning as we continue our series on prayer. I'm glad to be here today. I love coming to church. I love being the church. True story. Mother took her family out to dinner. And her six-year-old little boy, he asked if he could pray over the meal. Sure, you can pray. So everybody bowed their heads and, and he began to pray. God is good. God is great. Thank you for this food. And God, I would thank you even more if mom would buy us some ice cream for dessert today. And with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Along with the laughter from the other customers nearby... A woman remarked, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream. Why I never. Hearing this, the little boy, he burst into tears and he asked the question, did I do it wrong? Is God mad at me? Well, at that time, an an elderly gentleman, he approached the table and he winked at the boy and he said, I happen to know that God thinks that was a great prayer. That was a great prayer. Really? The boy asked, cross my heart, the man replied. And then he leaned over and in a theatrical whisper, he added, too bad she never asked God for ice cream. (laughs) He said, a little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. Well, of course, the mother that day, she bought ice cream for all of her kids and and her son, he stared at his ice cream for a moment and then he did something that nobody would ever forget. He picked up his ice cream sundae and without a word, he walked over to the to that woman and he set it before her and he said, here, this is for you. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. <laughs> and my soul is good already. <laughs> Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And he taught them to pray, give us this day our daily Ice cream. (laughs) Not really, but kind of. Let's read it in context. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. In fact, let's pray together. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And after you pray this prayer or have this kind of conversation with God, you begin with being in right relationship with God, as we have looked at over the last few weeks. You have the right relationship. You're praying to our father. You have the right perspective. Our father who is in heaven. And you have the right priority. Your kingdom, your will be done. Once you have done that, you are ready to ask for God's provision. Give us today our daily bread. So what happens here is. God doesn't put this, give us today our daily bread. 
meet today our basic needs. He doesn't put that at the beginning of the prayer. He puts himself and his relationship with you and his priorities with the kingdom. He puts that first. And once we have that established in our hearts, we are ready to ask God to meet our needs. In other words, when you have a heart for the king and his kingdom, you will always have the hand of the king. And God is saying, put God's heart first, then you'll have God's hand. We like to quote the words of Jesus who said, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But if we look at that, ask whatever you wish in context, John 15, 7 says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you or it will be done for you. In other words, if we spend time with Jesus and we spend time in his word, how many of you know we begin to want what he wants? We begin to ask for what he asks for. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, if my words abide in you, now you can ask whatever you wish, because what you wish is what I wish. That's what Jesus was saying. It's interesting in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples and he prays for the church, the believers who would one day become part of his church. John chapter 17, and he prays for these believers. It's very interesting that he was not praying that churches would get along when he's praying for the unity of believers. He wasn't praying that they would do community outreach together or that they would come together once a year for a yearly prayer meeting. In fact, he wasn't praying for the churches to have unity with one another. He was praying that the church would be in unity with God. And this is what he said. He prayed, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me. I in them and you and me. Jesus was praying that the church would be one with the Father. That's the kind of unity that Jesus was praying for. And he said, this is the reason why, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them. In other words, Jesus was praying for a church that would learn to abide in him because a church that becomes one with Jesus is the greatest strategy for reaching the world. A church that is one with Jesus has his heart, has his priority Begins to see what God sees. We begin to want what he wants. We begin to pray for what he prays for. We begin to do what he does. And church, that my friend, is the greatest strategy for reaching this world. Is oneness with Jesus. And that's why we're focusing in this month of January. Of establishing some some habits. Sustainable habits that we can do. Every day, every week, every month and all year long. Sometimes we wonder why God doesn't give us what we've asked for. And when God doesn't answer our prayer, when God doesn't give us what we've asked for, we feel like maybe God has forsaken us. And it's not that God has forsaken us. It's just that he's not interested. He's not interested. He's going a different direction than you're going. He has a different priority than perhaps you have. 
He's not interested in building your kingdom. He's interested in building his kingdom. Sometimes we, we ask amiss because we ask with the wrong motives, James says, that we may spend what we get on what? Our own pleasures, our own kingdom. So if God isn't answering your prayers, the first thing to do is not knock harder, but ask the question, am I asking amiss? Is God even interested in what I'm asking for? This boy asked for ice cream. How many of you know that's the will of God? He asked for ice cream and it turns out it wasn't even for him. He used it for kingdom purposes. His soul was good already. It was for somebody else's soul. Somebody else needed that ice cream more than he did that day. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give us today our daily bread. The first thing I want you to see is that, number one, our father is the source. Our father is the source. Give They're looking to father. Jesus says, look to your father to give your father is your source. He's in heaven and holy is his name. And the Bible says his name is Jehovah Jireh. The father who provides the father who is our source. So the milk that you poured into your Captain Crunch this morning. (laughs) I have... I don't do that sugar cereal, do you? Okay, it's okay. Captain Crunch is good. It's like ice cream, right? Just for me, it's like ice cream. The, the milk that you, you poured into your Captain Crunch this morning did not come from the grocery store. Okay? The hamburger that you're going to have for lunch today did not come from the meat market. The milk and the meat, right, came from the cow who ate the grass. Right? That grew from a seed that God created. Our Father is our source for milk and meat. He's the source. It all comes from Him. You say, well, it's not God who's going to work Monday morning. I go to work Monday morning. I provide for my family. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 disagrees with you and says this. It is the Lord your God who gives you the ability or the power to get wealth. In other words, if you're good at what you do, sir, God made you good at it. If you got a raise at your job, it's because God raised your ability to do it. Our father is our source. My job is not my source. Your job is not your source. Your health insurance is not your provider. Your social security check is not your source. Listen, your emergency fund is not your ever-present help in time of need. God, our Father, He's our source. And we have to begin looking. When we pray, give us. We are acknowledging, God, you're the source. You're the source of everything. The second thing we need to notice is that our family is our supply. Although God is our source, he provides through the family of believers. Notice, Jesus said, give us, give us. It doesn't say give me. My daily bread, but give us our daily bread. That tells me that you're not the only kid in this family. We are interconnected with our brothers and sisters. It's not 
my father. It's our father. We are a family. There are siblings involved. When one of our siblings get blessed, we get blessed, jealous or blessed. Right? Right. When one of the family members, one of our siblings in God's family gets blessed, we rejoice with them. If one suffers, we all say, I told you so. Right? We all suffer with them. Uh, about a year ago, well, I guess it was a little over a year ago, we became aware of a, a gentleman in our family here at Glad Tidings who, he was in transition in his life. And he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's and, and uh, he was working through that. And uh, he was working through uh, what he could do and what he can't do anymore. And he was believing God for healing. And at the same time, he wasn't healed. And so he's in this transition and you can't you can't mow the yard anymore. And the house is too much to take care of. And so we're selling the house. Right. And he's downsizing to an apartment. And and now he's ready to move in with somebody so he can even there's less things that he has to do and be responsible for with his condition. And. And we became aware of this need and, and I, my wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it. And we felt like the spirit of God was saying, offer him to live in your home. We have our basement, a finished basement. Offer him to live in your home. And I said, but God, he has a, a dog and two cats and we already have a dog and one cat. <laughs> and we offered to him and we talked through it all. And and uh, I said, God, are you sure? You know, he's got a dog and two cats. We have a, a big dog and a, and a cat. God, that's two dogs and three cats and another person in our house. And God, we like our privacy and we like our rest and we like. And God said, you know, will you suffer with him? Amen. And we're thankful he got rid of the dog, but the cats came too. <laughs> and and for about eight months, we 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 suffered together. We had good days. We had bad days, just like every family does. Right. Our father is our source, but our family, the family of believers, is our supply. The answer, the answer to this prayer that we pray, give us today our daily bread. The answer to that prayer is found when the family of believers lives like a family. In a biblical community. And the way we do family. The way we do biblical community here at Glad Tidings. Is through our small groups. That's where we do it. Small groups is where this prayer. Give us today. Is fleshed out. It's where this prayer. Give us today. Is asked. And it's where this prayer. Give us today. Is answered. It's in the context of biblical community, of small groups that God answers this prayer of God's people living like siblings, brothers and sisters with one father. Amen. Acts chapter four, verse 32. We see this pattern all over this new church. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons. Look at verse 34. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles feet. Man, this is crazy. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. There were no needy persons among them. 
Why? Because they had Social Security. Right? Food stamps. Right? They had, they had checks, government checks. That's what took care of this. No, they had one another. That's it. That's what they had. We learned last week that if you ended up in jail for, for good reasons or bad reasons, like, like the Apostle Paul, what happens? Your family's the one that has to go take care of you. Your family, it, it's the family that supplies the need. God does it through family. So over the next three weeks, we're going to see how God answers the prayer. Give us, forgive us our sins, lead us, deliver us, and how God answers that prayer as we live in this thing called biblical community. A lot of times we pray these prayers, but we don't live like a family. And then we go, God, why didn't you answer the prayer? Right? And God didn't answer the prayer. The answer is, has been there all along. See, we're the ones to ask and we're the ones to answer. This, this gets exciting. This really messes with your world. You know, cats and dogs and people living in your house and all this crazy stuff. But this is what it looks like. So I don't want to just talk about how to ask God for things. I want to talk about how God meets these practical needs as we do life together. See, God wants to meet all of these needs in our lives, but he can't do it without a body. And Jesus made it very clear when he left the earth, he said, I'm not the hand anymore. You are. Jesus made it very clear. I'm the head. You're the body. You're the eyes. You're the hands. You're the mouth. You're the feet. You're the ones doing the work. Isn't that awesome? So when we pray, God, give us God, God, forgive us. God, deliver us. God's saying, yep, I can do that, but I'm going to do it through you. <laughs> oh, God, deliver me from this temptation. Deliver me from this addiction. Yep, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it through your small group community. God, I have a need, a practical need in my life. God, are you going to answer me? Yep, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it through your community. And that's how God answers these prayers. If you live isolated from the family of God, you're living isolated from the provision of God. Let me say that again. If you're living isolated from the family of God, you're living isolated from the provision of God. See, this morning you're here in church and, and you think, well, I'm part of the family of God. Well, you are. If you're a believer, you're a, you're a brother, you're a sister. But if you're not living in, in community with that family, and, and let me tell you, this morning, this is not biblical community right here. This is not the community. This is the crowd. Okay? We're all part of a crowd this morning. Community is when we do life together. When we text each other and how you doing and what's going on and we show up to group and you're bringing the ice cream and I'm bringing the Captain Crunch and you know and and you and you do things together and you eat together and you cry together and you live together and you work together and you and you shovel driveways together and and you give each other rides and you visit each other in the hospital and you pray for one another right and you give advice to one another. I heard of a pastor who showed up at one guy's house. And, and, and he hid in the garage. He hid in the garage of this guy's house. He knew this guy was having an affair. And he hid in this guy's garage. And when this guy came home that night and he pushed his garage door open and the door goes up and he drives his car and there stands his pastor. And he says, I'm here to be your best friend today. He goes, what are you doing here? He says, I know you're having an affair. I'm here to love you. I'm here to deliver you in Jesus name. 
See, he, he went after this, this, this one. Jesus said that he, he, the good shepherd leaves the 99. Why? Because he's not worried about them. They're together. He goes after the one who's isolated, who's isolated from the family of God. See, not only do isolated people miss out on lunch, they also become lunch for the enemy. Amen. I love watching, you know, the, uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, Planet Earth series. Uh, I love watching the lions chase the zebras. I'm sorry. You know, I just think that's really cool. And uh, it's the circle of life. Just, you know. And so I love it when they're going after their lunch and they're chasing the lions chasing. And, you know, I noticed that the lion never chases the herd, never messes with the herd, never bothers the herd. The, The lion's always looking for that one that's out there isolated all by itself. Right. That's where the lion goes and they start chasing six of them. They're chasing this one zebra. They're chasing this thing. And that zebra is running and running and running. And that zebra's fast. Right. And that zebra can run really fast, but it gets eventually worn out and run down and overtaken by the enemy and becomes lunch for the enemy because that zebra lived in isolation, got away from the herd. And some of you are like that zebra this morning. You're running hard. You're working hard. You're doing the best you can. But you're getting outrun. You're getting overwhelmed by the enemy. And you're going to be lunch for the enemy. That's not good news this morning. See, give us. Give us today our daily bread. God provides. God delivers. God forgives in the context of community. We need to get back to the herd. Okay, flock. Maybe that's more biblical. Flock of sheep? Herd of sheep? Herd. How many say herd? How many say flock? The flocks have it. (laughs) Okay. I thought birds of a feather flock together, not sheep. But, you know, we'll go with the Bible. It calls us sheep and sheep or flocks of sheep. Okay. It's okay to have fun, right? We're getting ready for a snowstorm. We got to have some fun. So the students are saying, give us this day our daily snow. Give us our snow, Lord. Give us our snow. You've heard of the story of the, the, the farmer, the old farmer who, who, who lived by the river and the river flooded in the spring and it flooded his entire farm. And old farmer climbs up on top of one of his barns and he's up there praying, God, deliver me. Neighbor comes along in a rowboat, says, hey, come on, jump in. He goes, no, I'm praying God, deliver me. OK, keeps on going. Helicopter buzzes overhead, lowers down a rope. No, go ahead. I'm, God will deliver me. Right. Floodwaters rise, overcome the barn and, 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 and the farmer swept away. Stands before God in heaven and he says, God, I don't understand. I expected you to deliver me. He goes, man, I, I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a helicopter. What else do you expect? Yeah. And we pray, God, deliver us. God, give us all these things. God, lead us. And God says, well, I did. You know, I, I sent I sent that small group leader who said, hey, why don't you come to my group tonight? God, where are you? Maybe he's sitting right next to you this morning. (laughs) 
Where are you, God? Maybe he's he's going to be at that meeting tonight called small group meeting on Sunday night or Monday night or Tuesday. We've got them all over. We've got women's groups during the day, men's groups early in the morning, all over the place. God is there and he's answering those. Give us, forgive us, deliver us prayers. That's what he's doing. We've got a family in our church that... uh, uh, so cool how God met their need through their small group. We're going to show you a story about Jared and Anna here this morning. Let's take a look at it. We'll see what God does. We both graduated uh, Bible College, mm-hmm. Nebraska Christian, uh, with degrees in world missions. And it's been a few years in ministry. Um, last summer, we ended up back in Omaha. Um, I was offered the opportunity to be a pilot student at a new seminary here. I was working part-time. Anna went back to work full-time um, after being a stay-at-home mom. And uh, just trying to balance uh, being a full-time grad student and uh, family and work and <laughs> just keep, keep afloat, skidded into Christmas break on fumes. We had a week where it was just everything kind of imploded, like everything that you know puts can bring tension. I was struggling to figure out how to pay for textbooks for the following semester. Uh, Tana Heineman, who's our small group leader, Nate, uh, they, I think you were having a conversation with Tana about it. She had called me, like we were. We were sitting at the dinner table one night. I think we were kind of hashing through what to do. <laughs> and she had called me out of the blue and asked how we were doing. And I mean, my natural reaction is, oh, we're fine. We're really okay. And she's like, well, there's someone in the group that said they were kind of concerned with how the Lance were doing. She's like, well, I mean, we've just got we've just got little things just <laughs> nothing big but I mean anyone who knows Tana knows that she wouldn't buy that <laughs> and she said well you mean by little things you mean big things and I was like well yes um, and so I told her you know kind of what was going on and she asked what some of our needs were and um, she's like well is it okay if we share this with the group and I said yeah, that's okay, but I mean, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll figure it out. And she's like, okay, well, just, just let's just pray about it. We knew God would come through some way. Then the following Sunday night, I was, everything was just, just getting at me. And I was, I kind of, I had this conversation with God. I was just like, God, I really feel like we're supposed to be here doing this, but why is it supposed to be this hard? You know, like, I need some sort of affirmation, some sort of encouragement or something because, uh, like, it's taxing our family. I'm almost beyond what we can bear, and I just need to be sure that it's worth it. Um, The next day, Monday, uh, Tana texted me, and she said that basically her and Nate um, insisted that we take our vehicle to this mechanic friend of theirs and to not worry about the bill. She wasn't taking no for an answer, <laughs> obviously. And so we did and um, we got cars fixed and things and uh, the couple days 
Um, after that, the next day, Tuesday, she texted, it was Christmas Eve day, and I said, so it'll just be the girls and I. So we went and we met them, kind of walk in to the front of Target and got both girls in the cart and we're just kind of like there in the entryway and uh, they're all, our group members are there and she hands me uh, an envelope with a bunch of cash in it and she said, this is for your textbooks, it's from the group. Um, and she gave us a gift card for Anna and, and the girls and um, and I was just, at that point I was beside myself. At the time I was in pretty desperate need of a new phone. We got to the back of the store and I learned that they had already purchased me a new cell phone. So we were at Target to get my new phone. And uh, I just, I lost it right there. They said that, you know, we've all been through hard times in our past and as Christians we believe that um, when there are those who are, are trying to answer God's call that uh, um, we're supposed to, to come around and be their armor bearers or help them you know, support their, that path. And she said, as a group, we want to be that for you and Anna because uh, we believe that, that this is God's call in your life and we want to help. Some of the people in our group we had only known for a few weeks. And uh, to have people like that say that um, they believe in that calling as much as we did was, I mean, it was everything we needed at the time. And, I mean, even more than the, the, the help itself, to have that kind of belief was huge and support. And it really was the answer uh, to that prayer. Ever since then, whether they, they realize it or not, a lot of times um, they've, repeatedly taking it upon themselves to be our armor bearers and to pray for us and encourage us and, and make sure that we we get to the fight, so to speak, I guess. I can't put a value on it at all. Nope. Really cool story. Uh, Jared and Anna now co-lead a small group, which is really cool. They're like, you know what? Um, not only God met a need to us, we want God to meet needs through us. And we want to be part of not just uh, 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 the ones asking. We want to be part of the answer now as well. Um, by the way, our next uh, um, group link is Friday, February the 19th. If you're not in a small group, um, it's a great opportunity. You come here on a Friday night, real casual kind of environment. And uh, it's kind of like speed dating for small groups. All right, we've got several groups, uh, and you'll rotate to different groups throughout the night, meet leaders, meet members, get an idea what their group's all about, and hopefully by the end of the night, you've found a date. I mean a small group. You know what I mean. But it's a lot of fun. They play games together. They just You just find out who you connect with and what community you want to be part of, and you know what? It's okay to try some things out. Try out some groups and find the one that just that connects well with you. So we know that God answers the give us prayers because God, our father, is our source and our family is our supply. The third thing I want you to notice as we wrap things up is is this fresh bread that God supplies. Our father is a source. Our family is the, the, uh, the supply. But the fresh bread is the substance that God provides 
my daughter's great at making homemade bread in the oven kind of bread and it tastes like none other and it's when it's fresh it's the best thing on planet earth you could just eat bread for a meal and nothing how many of you know what I'm talking about right it's that kind it lasts it doesn't last very long because everybody wants it everybody loves it right and you don't want to eat it the next day because it's not fresh anymore stale bread and god promises this daily bread daily bread this fresh bread from god every day god says i'm going to meet your needs every day by the way bread represents the basic necessities of life it's the sustenance of life you can live on bread and water you can so bread is, it says, God is saying, I'm going to meet the basic needs that you have. I, King David said this, I was young and now I am old and I have never seen God's children begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I want you to see Matthew chapter six. You can speed ahead to verse 31. If you have your Bibles or your smart devices, Jesus said this. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Talking about basic necessities. What shall we drink or what shall we wear for the the pagans? Who are the pagans? Those who don't have God as their father, they run after they chase after these things. And your father, your heavenly father, knows that you need them. And Jesus said this, but seek first, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. In other words, seek first God's rule and God's authority in every part of your life. And Jesus says, and all these things will be added to you or given to you as well. In other words, what Jesus is saying clearly is, is that you never have to worry about bread. You never have to worry about the basic necessities of life when you're putting the king and the king's kingdom in priority. You never have to worry about that. God says, I will provide. You know, I've noticed how how often we'll we'll take matters into our own hands. And we'll run after these things like the pagans. We'll chase after these things like the pagans. We ask God for his provision. Give us. And we wait about 30 seconds. And then we head over to the stuff mart with our credit cards. When did consumer debt become God's way of meeting our needs? Where do we find in the Bible that it says, My God shall meet all of your needs according to your credit limit. Right? Some of you aren't laughing this morning. (laughs) I can identify with that. What does the Bible say? Well, in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, it says this. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. According to his credit limits, God will meet all your needs. It's a great promise. I love it. And a lot of times we quote it. And my God shall meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There's three quick things I notice in that verse alone. So number one, it says that 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 God will supply or God promises to meet our needs, not our wants. He promises to meet our needs on his credit, not ours. And finally, he promises to meet our needs when we make his kingdom priority. You say, Pastor, where do you see that? Let me help you out here. This beautiful promise is tucked away in this context called a missionary offering. 
The church at Philippi had just received a missionary offering and they had generously given to to missions that day. And right after they had given, Paul says these words, and my God shall meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We pull that scripture out and we claim that promise. But are we givers to the kingdom? We pull that promise. My God will meet all my needs. But have we met? Have we made the kingdom our priority? Have we made kingdom giving our priority? The promise is attached to making the kingdom your priority. So when we pray, God, give us. We recognize he's the source. We recognize the family is our supply. But we also have to recognize that God will give us as we make the kingdom our priority. So in other words, Paul is saying here is after you've taken care of kingdom business, my God shall meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches. So the question this morning as we prepare to close is, is have you made the kingdom of God priority in your life? Many years ago, I met a young lady named Carrie Hallberg. And I treasured her so much that I would pay any price to have her name changed to Carrie DeVries. I had a $5 an hour kind of job and I was trying to buy a $1,500 ring. I was living on my own, paying rent, paying utilities, paying uh, insurance, everything. But I was determined I'm going to buy her this ring. And it took me a long time to save up. Maybe that's why I was engaged for 18 months. Maybe that's why we dated three and a half years. (laughs) But I found this treasure and I said, whatever it takes, I'm going to get this ring because she's the most special person in the whole world. I didn't count the cost of the ring. I didn't count the hours I was working. I was delighted to offer this. I was delighted to give this. Why? Because I had found a treasure. I'd found a treasure. When the King Jesus and the kingdom becomes your treasure, you stop counting dollars and cents. You've lost track of that. You've lost track of that. Jacob, he worked for, for Rachel, right? Is it Jacob? He worked for Rachel 14 years. But the Bible says he said it was like just a day. It was only like a day because he was so in love with Rachel. He's like, you know what? It could have been 21 years. I'll do whatever it takes. See, when you have a, the heart for the king and the kingdom, you will always have the hand of the king. You will always have the hand of the king. And, and I want to say this this morning, and I want to encourage you, man. If you, if you are putting the kingdom first in your finance. And you're, you're bringing the tithe week after week. And you're bringing your missions offerings. Let me tell you, God's going to take care of you. How many of you say, you know what? I, I've recognized that. God, when I put the kingdom first in my finances, God takes care of me. Raise your hand nice and proud. God, thank you. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for taking care of us. So for God to answer this prayer, which he so much wants to give us. He says, you know what? First, my kingdom come, my will be done. First, my rule and my reign in the area of your finance. 
Some say, well, you know, tithing is an Old Testament concept. Oh, really? Is that why Jesus in the New Testament said you should tithe? He said you should tithe. And my Bible also says this. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, the Lord, do not change. If you... Jesus said these words, and I'm just encouraged with this. He said these words. If you're kind of on the, "Ah, I don't know about this giving thing, let me tell you. Jesus said this. He said, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. What do you give Caesar? You give him your taxes. What do you give God? You give him your tithe. You do that. That's what Jesus said. And it's tithing, it's tithing season, it's tax season, right? And Jesus said, You should be doing both. You should do both. Listen, if you don't pay your taxes, I guarantee you the IRS will come after you. Right? How many of you like that letter, that phone call, right? No. If you don't bring your tithe into the storehouse, God won't come after you. But you'll miss out on God's supply. You'll miss out on God's blessing in your life. And and what's amazing about that is God says, test me in this. See, we we pray the prayer, God, give us, give us, give us. But we don't want to give. Jesus said... Give and it shall be given even more than you gave. So as we pray this prayer, God, give us. We recognize God's the source, but his family is often the supply. It's how he brings it. And we also do it with this kingdom mindset. God, I'm going to first give to you, right? Because God says, I will rebuke the devourer over your life. And I will supply so much more that you don't have room for it. That's the kind of God we serve. It's the kind of God we serve. Lord, thank you this morning for, for the words of Jesus that we've, we've read in this prayer, we've read in these other scriptures. God, I thank you for the family of believers here today. God, I pray that nobody would be isolated. Nobody would be out there, God, where the, the enemy can get to them. God, I pray everybody would live in community, God. God, every one of us, Lord, would be seeking first the kingdom, God, in the area of our finance, Lord. God, that our finance would align with the kingdom. God, I pray that every one of us would treasure you more than money, more than possessions, God. Lord, we just thank you this morning that you are building something here that is special called your church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want you to stand with me this morning. And I'm going to invite, as we begin to close, I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come. If you would like prayer this morning, they are here to pray for you. If you are not in a small group community, you can stop by our information center. They'll help you. Or you can come February 19th and join us. If you're here today and God is not your source because he's not your father, God can become your father today and you can become a son or daughter of God. Last week, we had over two dozen people in our second service who became born again for the very first time. And we thank God for that. The first thing God wants to supply for you is your salvation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're ready to be right with God today, I'm going to encourage you to come down and meet me right here at the end of this service this morning. Final prayer. Father, as we go from this place, we are your hands. We are your feet. We are your mouth, God. We are your body in this earth, God, to meet the needs of your body, God. I pray that all of us would have that heart and the hand to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.